Okay, what's going on, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Energized Russ. Introduce the yes man from Stockholm, Sweden, Dublin's own Mr. Philip O'Connor. Phil, how are you doing? In the Jesus, building. lads, I'm stressed out of my mind this evening here because it's uh, it's all gone dreadfully wrong. We're having our bathroom renovated, and uh, as we're talking, I was just at a press conference with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I couldn't find me stuff, and it's just ah, it's just nuts. But now that I'm talking to you, sure, I'm delighted with myself. I couldn't be any better. Three dubs in the room. It's a bit of a change from Sweden, isn't it? Uh, it's a lot of a change from Sweden. It was amazing because uh, today when I was asking the questions at the press conference, what Zlatan Ibrahimovic knows that once I start to ask questions in English, the press conference is nearly over and he fucking loves it when that happens. You know, so there's, uh, there's not too many dubs over here, but there is a few of us, you know, so uh, there's more and more showing up all the time, you know. Well, like, we'll let anyone, uh, like, we have to excuse anyone who's uh, interviewing Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, that's a, a very good thing to say. But uh, before we get into today's show, we're going to Do you know what I actually, I should have actually told him. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I, I should have today, told him I was going to be on the Energized podcast and then he would have just let me go. <laughs> true, <laughs> okay, that, true that, Well said, well said. Before we get into today's show, uh, we're going to be discussing this weekend's UFC 260 because it's the two baddest men on the planet and we're going to be going all over all over everything. Like, it's going to be a, a massive pay-per-view event this weekend. Ross, like, how, how excited are you for this weekend's UFC 260? Yeah, I am very, very excited. Um, this is a massive rematch in the heavyweight division. These two men clashed at UFC 220 where Stipe Miocic left the victor. Um, interestingly yeah. enough, the narrative of UFC 220 was um, you also had DC fighting um, Volkan Ozdemir in that card, and then they went on to fight each other. So, you know, I mean, the winner of this fight will fight another 205-pounder waiting in the wings, John Bones Jones. So, you know, the narrative of this story is, you know, who will who will win the rematch and then who will fight John Jones for the heavyweight belt after that? So, you know, I mean, it's one of the strange ones where almost the contender is in the strongest position because they're almost fighting to fight the number one contender, which in this case is John Jones. And look, I think the question is, has Francis Ngannou gotten any better? I don't know. Maybe you guys can shine more light, but he seems to finish everyone in under 70 seconds. You know what I mean? So, Phil, what's your take on this fight? It all depends what he's done since UFC 220, lads, because he really was exposed the last time. But when you get up to the very top of certain divisions, and the light heavyweight division is one of those divisions, that you're talking about rarefied air up there, boys, right? So you really need an incredibly rounded skill set. Nobody wins the belt in the light heavyweight division without being the absolute top mixed martial artist, right? And the proof of that is Alexander Gustafsson, who doesn't live too far away from me here, right? One of the best fights in UFC history and he still walked out there with no belt put on an incredibly complete performance against John Jones did the same thing against uh, Daniel Cormier he's had some great fights still has never been the champion and that's one of those things that bothers him because the window is really really small at the top level of the UFC as well I think Conor McGregor may have gone past you know his best days now he'd probably argue that toss with me you know but you know when he beat Three him wood, yeah. <laughs> exactly so like he was at the pinnacle he was at the peak of his powers there John Jones of course has reigned there for an awful long time but when you get up into the light heavyweight in the heavyweight divisions that's when it really starts to happen so the last time out we saw Francis Ngannou come out there and he has that incredible power that we've always known he's built his entire career on this one shot and it could all be over and yet that's not enough not at heavyweight not at light heavyweight so I just think that what I'd love to see from him is a development because Stipe Miocic is one of those he's a real slow burner you know he came up through the, the, the ranks nobody really noticed and all of a sudden he's this megastar and as far as I know he's still working as a firefighter in Cleveland he's still has his feet on the ground he's not the kind of guy who's going to do like this is all dc does nowadays dc is a personality 
he does his thing. Uh, he goes around the place doing the UFC broadcast and that, but that, that's not Miocic's thing. He likes to get in there, knock the hell out of somebody, and then on Monday morning, he's signing on for his shift at the fire station. So it's going to be fascinating to see if Ngannou has, has learned anything. And by that, I mean, you know, you got that one-shot power, but you've got to be able to wrestle. You've got to have decent footwork. You've got to have a jab. You don't have to be the best boxer in the world, but you have to have a jab. And he just really didn't show any of that, you know? And he's been in a couple of relatively disappointing fights. So... You know, could he have learned something? Absolutely. But it's a different thing as well. You know, uh, when the cage door closes behind you and you know you're going in there for five rounds, you know, for some people, it's absolutely brilliant to go, okay, this is it. This is me now. Daniel Cormier was one of them. Always fought well, win or lose in title fights. But, you know, if Ngannou was that guy, I don't know, but I suspect that he might be. And, you know, I do think as well that, you know, he's going to make the most of, if if he still only has that one weapon, he's going to make the most of it this time. He's not going to get caught out like last time. Yeah, uh, for people that, that aren't aware, aware of Phil's work, we actually wanted to get him on the week. Leon Edwards is fighting Shmoyev, and then that, that card fell off. But I mean, it's great to have you on now. You know what I mean, Phil? But like, Ross, obviously, you bringing up John Jones saying he's waiting in the wings. Who do you think John Jones would rather fight, Steve Miocic or Francis Ngannou? I think he'd much rather fight Steve Miocic. I know he's a more well rounded mixed martial artist, but he doesn't possess that death touch to the level Francis Ngannou does. I think if John Jones can get out of the first round with uh, Francis Ngannou, it's probably a lot more smoother sailing than it will be against Miocic. But again, that's a big ass to get out of the first round with Francis Ngannou. It's, it's sink or swim with him. You know I mean? If you can survive the first round, you're more than likely going to win. But that first round is probably the scariest five minutes of your UFC octagon life. Um, <laughs> a question for the two of you guys. What do you make of the welterweight champion Kamara Usman being in Francis Ngannou's corner for this fight? Go first to you, Phil. Uh, I think it's fascinating because Usman is one of these guys who's known for his wrestling, you know, so he has just spending, you know, 15 minutes having a cup of coffee with him is going to make Francis a better wrestler, just hanging around good wrestlers and seeing what they do and how they train, you know, so having somebody in there who can tell you what to do, right? Because one of the things, one of the real skills in cornering is actually communicating with your fighter because some fighters are different, like all fighters are different, you know, some of them can hear what you're saying and some of them can't hear shit. And you could be telling somebody something that they've heard a thousand times already and they just don't react. I remember coaching a kid once in a jiu-jitsu competition and we'd agreed for weeks beforehand what she was going to do she was only about 12 or 13 and she got in there and she did exactly the opposite and then acted like she was deaf for the rest of the five minutes you know it's like okay what's happening there so that and that that's a thing that's adrenaline does that it's the fight flight or freeze response you know so if he has a camera there you know training with him at all is going to be a great thing but to go in there with a game plan that camera knows and he's able to tell you remember we've got to do this remember yeah. you can't let him have an underhook remember you've got to manage the distance you've got you can't be heavy on the front leg and that's even more so Francis was to win and go up against John Jones you can't be heavy on that front leg because Jones will just kick the legs off if you do that you know so I think it's fascinating I think it's a huge huge plus for him to be going in there but Miocic you know we have a tendency you know it's kind of like basketball in the 80s in the NBA lads we have a tendency to underestimate the white lads you know and Miocic is just, <laughs> he's such a fantastic fighter you know all round guy he'll go in there and he'll stand and he'll bang or he can wrestle or he can go to the deck and that kind of thing and and he's one of those guys that you got to beat him. You know, he's not going to walk out there. He's never going to look for an out. He's not going to look for a quick exit or that kind of thing. He's not going to tire either. So if you want to win the title off that guy, you got to put him on his back and keep him there. And really, that's the only chance that Francis has. But, you know, hopefully Usman will be able to, to help him out because I'd love to see a really good competitive fight. You know, regardless of the fact that I don't think that Francis is as good as Miocic, I hate to see a guy go in there and have, you know, a second title fight that just sort of falls flat, you know, because where does he go from there? Who You know, you just wind up being sort of, you know, Derek Lewis after that and nobody wants to be that 
my balls are hot. Uh, no, like I, I agree. Like it's just when uh, myself and Ross, we were over at uh, we were over in New York, and then Francis Gano walked by us, and it was like a total eclipse. We were just like shocked. But uh, he's he's it, such he, an enormous human being. Oh my, my god! He reminds me of your man from the, the Fantastic Four. Was it? Uh, <laughs> What's it? The, the, who's the stone guy or the rock? What's it called? Oh, the thing. The thing. The thing. That's correct. Uh, like I, th- I think like the marketability you could do with Francis and Ganu. Just like he looks like the scariest guy in the world, and if you add a gold belt around that waist, like then that's your away to the races there. But like, um, Miocic going into the trilogy against DC. Obviously, he was knocked out the first time, then won the second time. Like the, in the build up, watching the embeds and the countdowns. Miocic looked like shredded. He looked the best he'd ever looked. I'm like, before seeing how well he was looking, I was sort of like, maybe he might want to leave because obviously there's something going on with him and Dana White. They don't seem to be getting on too great. But um, there's something about Miocic that I think he's just going to be one of them uh, unsung hero champions sort of thing. I know obviously he's doing great things for the community in Cleveland, and it, but I, I think he's like, he should be big, bigger. In, like, I think the UFC should be sort of pushing him a bit higher. Maybe this he's, is, definitely, uh, he's definitely vastly underappreciated. Go on, Phil. Yeah, no, this is one of those things that the UFC is absolutely terrible at. If you're Conor McGregor, uh, they can make money off you, right? But any fucking idiot can make money off of Conor McGregor because Conor will do the work for you, right? But how isn't Stephen Miocic one of the biggest athletes in the world? How isn't Amanda Nunes one of the biggest athletes in the world, you know? And certain people, it's a tough nut to crack because you have to work out what their story is, you know? And it might be, you know, I mean, for me, Stephen Miocic is rocky. You know, he's a blue collar guy who goes out there and does his thing and yeah. he just happens to like punch in the head off people at the weekends and he's one of the top guys in the world at it, right? If you can't find a story to tell me about that, then you're n- you don't belong in the fight game. You've no idea what you're doing because for over 150 years, the fight game has been built on telling stories of fellas. You know, Bob Hope boxed the old American comedian who went on until he was in his 90s. What was his name? He, he basically borrowed a more Irish sounding name so he would create a crowd. This is not rocket science, lads. You know, but the fact that they can't do something from Jocic, the fact that they can't do something for Amanda Nunes, because Amanda Nunes is a woman of color. She's from Brazil. They just go, it, it's not worth it. You know, whereas when they had the All-American girl and Ronda Rousey, they were well able to do it. So it really does expose a sort of a, a blank spot in what the UFC mm-hmm. do. Certain people, they can turn into champions and do things with them, but others, they just can't. And even John Jones, like, you know, there's a man that should be, you know, for all he's done. Now, I don't, you know, there's always an asterisk with, with me for Jones because he's been done so many times yeah. for doping, not to m- mention all the things he's done in his personal life. But, you know, how can he not be on a level with Conor, you know, and that really is a sort of a thing that the UFC have blown, you know. And I think that, you know, if you look at Bellator and you look at Brave and some of these other people are willing to put money into these things, Bellator pouring money into these things now, um, you know, that they will, you know, they'll finally get caught out because at the moment they're taking, you know, what they call the low hanging fruit in business. Mm. And it's a bit of a shame because I think the Stipe is one of those guys, like a really honest, genuine blue collar guy that, you know, he's a kind of guy that we like to look up to rather than, you know, if you look at Sean O'Malley, who's on this card as well, Sean's grand, but after a while it just, I, the shtick gets boring you know this fucking stoner dude going around choking people out kind of thing you know so i think that it could be a really really positive role model if they could get their shit together i, I do think phil that they obviously covid times are different but pre-covid times they should never let stipe leave cleveland they should have fought every title fight in cleveland because he's a hometown hero there and that's how they should have promoted him and if he looked like a star in cleveland he'd become a star everywhere else 
Yeah, he was also remember he won the title that just like on the same sort of around the same same sort of time the the Cavaliers became the NBA champs as well, and he went around the whole city with the belt as well. And this was when LeBron James was, like was there, so like being associated in any sort of way with LeBron James, you're gonna make serious cash. It's uh, I, th- I think like Miocic doesn't he doesn't overly like to impress, and that's really mm. what I think that's really not really helped him. Like mm. so, like it's it's a tough one, but also like. He's got. He's. If you have to look at it now, he's probably the greatest ever heavyweight UFC mm. uh, fighter. So it, it's such a strange thing, knowing that the baddest man in the world, the, the undisputed best like heavyweight ever, is not overly that famous. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But that's but, uh, go on, Phil. Yeah, no, I was, I was just thinking of that. But then that is the story that this guy is such a regular guy, you know, because it happens as well. You know, there was only ever one Muhammad Ali in boxing, right? There was only ever one Mike Tyson, and Mike Tyson was the baddest man on the planet at that time, right? <laughs> but there were other people who came through the heavyweight division. You know, uh, I'm reading that great book, Four Kings, but the middleweights now, Marvin Hagler, who passed away recently, you know, and I don't want to sound like, you know, everybody's dad talking about these things, but that was a time when you had four great middleweights who all had really different personalities, right? So there is space there is scope in there for somebody like Steve Miocic foreign America he's the fucking Bruce Springsteen of MMA lads and if you can't tell me that story and if you can't get me to engage in that and I will engage in that I get up and watch it but there's so many people who could enjoy watching and enjoy you know being part of his story and seeing who he is and what he stands for and again it's just your marketing department really hasn't bothered their arse if you can't manage to tell that story to people you know and I suppose you know he's not the kind of guy you know he's not a, a pin-up you know so he's not going to sell you know, a hundred thousand t-shirts over a weekend, like maybe Connor would. You know, he's not, he's not that bad looking though. Like, I don't know. He's better looking than me. Fucking cheeky me talking like that. <laughs> I hope this is audio only at this point. You know, but but this is the thing: if you can't really sort of find a way to tell those stories, because it does mm. take all kinds. Because what we what we want to see in sport, when we go to the arena, when we turn on our TV, we want to see people doing things that we ourselves can't do, but we also want to identify with them. This is why Gaelic games are so great. You can go there and you can see fellas or amateurs that you might see in a bar or on the bus or on the Lewis or something in Dublin. Uh, you might see them, you know, on the street basically. But but then to see these people and, you know, if they go to become superstars, that's brilliant, you know, but you, you still want to have that sense of identification that these are my people. It's why, you know, I see you have an Irish flag there in the background. It's why we look out for the likes of Ian Gary, who won a cage warriors the other night. That's why, that's why we tune in. It's why I, I love Zlatan Ibrahimovic because he lives in an area or he comes from an area in Malmo, which is kind of like the one I live in here. You know, the same thing with Chimaev. I know the things that these guys have gone through um, Tobias Harila, who, uh, who won a cage warriors as well. When you hear all these back stories you don't as a journalist you don't root for them but hell you want to see them do well and you want to tell those stories and that really is to me that's what I'd, I'd love to see Miocic go another two or three fights I'd love to see him beat John Jones just for the crack because you know what would the UFC do then you know the job would be done for them they'd call him Brock Lesnar hopefully and <laughs> oh god oh, that'd be again. great now Phil is uh is that your prediction then Steve Miocic gets the job done come Saturday night I think so. I'd like, I don't know. I've been turning it over in my mind because I knew I was going to be speaking to you guys and I spent the whole uh, weekend looking at all fights and, and sort of turning it over in my mind. And it's just that thing of, I don't think that Francis can beat Miocic in the way that Miocic can beat Francis, right? He's so hard to break. You know, Daniel Cormier broke him once and he came back and he came back so much stronger. And just the way, do you remember the body shots that he hit Cormier mm. with? Was it in the third fight? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember sitting on my couch going, oh, 
you know that feeling <laughs> where you go, Jesus, it hurts just to look at it, you know. And yeah. uh, right, that know, was think, actually the second one, Phil. It was the what's second, the second one? one? Oh, yeah. Second one, yeah. sorry, second yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, because, uh, but I can still, you know, I can't remember which fight it was, but I can still remember the pain of watching it, you know. And if he was to do the same thing, I think Miocic is a better fighter now as well than what he was at, at uh, mm-hmm. UFC two twenty, you know. And I think that he does somewhere in these people. I know it drives Amanda Nunes mad that she's not bigger than she is. Now she's not going to go to war for it, right? But it does drive her mad secretly that you know that they haven't made the most of her. I think Miocic is one of those guys as well who will be looking at this going, lads, I should be a star. Really, you know, should I really have to go to the firehouse every day and, and do my shift? He's the kind of guy that would probably do it anyway, but he would like to have the choice kind of thing. Now, he learned a half a million, million dollars or whatever for, for whatever he's going to do on Saturday night, but still, you know, he should be financially independent for the rest of his life. And I think that, that with that chip on his shoulder when he goes in there, I wouldn't like to be Francis Ngannou standing in front of a man who, with, like Stipe with a point to prove. Yeah, I'm going to agree, which is well, Phil. I think um, Steve is going to get in there. I think he'll get a takedown early enough in the first round. And I think once he gets one takedown, it's game over for Francis. So I don't think Francis is going to be able to get back up. And I think Stipe is going to win. I think he'll probably finish Ngannou maybe in the fourth round this time because I think he'll want to put, make a statement. He played it very safe the first time round. He sort of just held him down for those uh, fourth and fifth round. I think this time, you know, Miocic should be there for blood. Uh, that's, I'm going to disagree with both of you, but only because it'll be like 5 a.m. here in Ireland, and I have to look forward to like a 10-second a knockout bum rush from Nganu. So like, if I have that, like, so you can like go I to have bed. to see that. Yeah, so, yeah, but just so like, I'll stay awake. I'm like, I have to watch this. If it, Imagine it turned out to be like an Nganu sort of... Um, a news from Masvidal match. Well, but yeah, but what was the other one uh, Ngannou was in with, with Derek, uh, Derek Lewis? Lewis? Yeah, if it's something like that, I'll be like, oh my God, oh God. 5 a.m. Yeah, but so like, I'm just... I, just I will bit, never watch... I will never watch MMA again if that happens. It actually reminds me, what you're saying there reminds me of the night that Conor fought Aldo and I set the alarm uh, to, because I had no interest in the rest of the card. I just wanted to get up and see Conor against Aldo and 13 seconds later I was back in my bed. I was like, okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just get to win it. It was like Ian Gary winning over the weekend there as well. I was like, yes, okay, that's mm. exactly what we came here to get and that's exactly what we got. But like either way, like I, I, I like both guys. So, but like we can't all be team Yotas here even though he's, uh, he's a hero to many people. But uh, lads, unfortunately, it was meant to be Alexander Volkanovski taking on Brian Ortega and the fight was was uh, it was it was pulled because Volkanovski got COVID. So we were actually meant to get two uh, title fights this uh, this weekend. But Tyron Woodley is back. He's taking on Vicente Luque. Uh, Phil, what, what you make of Tyron Woodley these days? Like he sort of he doesn't he seems to be a shadow of a former self. Do you think he can turn it around this weekend, or do you think that that ship has sailed and he should go back into his rap career? I think his rap career is probably where he's going to win. Anything he gets that's shiny in the rest of his career is going to be in his rap career and it won't be in a UFC cage. I always hate to see this, lads. You know, fellas are coming back, you know, Roy Jones Jr. against Tyson where they do this, you know, uh, fancy boxing match and there's no winner, no loser. And, and I hate to see it because there's so few happy endings in mixed martial arts or in boxing or in combat sports in general. Yeah. And Tyron Woodley was one, he was one of the most exciting fighters that I've ever seen live. Yeah. He's just it was incredible. like Russell's favorite fighter. Yeah, you know, and then to, to come back and, you know, I, I don't go in for this, oh, you know, a guy has to be unbeaten like Khabib and that kind of thing because Khabib was fascinating as well. But like, you know, if you have that chance, fucking take it, right? Be the guy on the bar stool who went, I could have beat that guy. It's for, you don't have to come back again and again and again. Now, it would... It wouldn't surprise me if he's coming back for the money because, you know, you get maybe, you know, a quarter of a million dollars, $300,000, maybe, you know, a little bit of a pay-per-view percentage here and there. And I hate to see that because somebody who put so much of his life into mixed martial arts is still not financially independent at the end of it, you know? Whereas if that was boxing, you know, and the, the big fights that 
he had and the big title fights that he had, he would have made, you know, you'd never have to work another day in his life. So it's kind of a sad indictment to the sport that Woodley has to come back. And, you know, they, as they say, father time is undefeated. You know, there's so many fighters. I mean, the last couple of years of Anderson Silva has just been sad to watch. You yeah. Know? yeah. Here he you have like one of the greatest ever in there, you know. Yeah, I mean, to look back at that, you know, and again, it, it just reminded me, that's how old I am. It reminded me of the end of Muhammad Ali as well, you know, mm-hmm. losing to Leon Spinks and, and Trevor Berwick and this kind of thing. And it's it's undignified, you know, with our heroes like that, we wanted to walk off into the sunset as if it was the end of a Hollywood mm-hmm. movie. But there's very few Hollywood endings in mixed martial arts or unboxing. Yeah, like Khabib. Yeah, definitely. And also, Vincente Luca is no no easy out as well. He's a very tough customer. He's coming in there. He hits hard. He's in your face for 15 minutes. You know, we saw him have a very competitive fight with uh, Wonderboy 15 minutes. And I'm going to pick uh, Vincente Luque. Like I, I picked Woodley. I picked Woodley against Usman. I picked Woodley against Covington. I'm like, he's going to come back and he's going to do it. But like, for me, the ship has sailed. I think he's in there for a payday. Uh, I also think his physique fills as well because like he looks like he's a, an absolute specimen, and you go, geez, that guy is definitely going to win. And I just don't think he has that desire anymore. And Vincente Luque is on his way up. Yeah, yeah like I, I was I, saying earlier on, that, that that window was so small. But it was interesting there that you, that you mentioned Khabib. When I went to Abu Dhabi to see Connor's last fight, that was my thing. I knew obviously that Khabib was there, and I went, okay, I've got, I've got to find him somehow. And I met him in the the fighter hotel. And I just, I literally met him in a corridor as he was walking towards me and I didn't even say hello. I just went, are you coming back? And he just looked at me and went, eh, and he gave that sort of shrug going, no, I'm fucking not, you know? And Dana was going on, oh, he might come back if it's the right fight. If he sees something interesting on Saturday, he might come back. And then I asked Daniel Cormier the same thing because he knows Khabib really well. They've trained together and, mm-hmm. and he has <laughs> gone, are you nuts? He's got so much money and he lives halfway up a hill in Dagestan, <laughs> Russia. He doesn't need this anymore. He doesn't want it, you know? He doesn't yeah. want anything to doing any of this bullshit and then you know it's only we're talking like a couple of days ago Dana White came out or the UFC came out when he's officially retired in quotation marks what the fuck does that mean you know he retired five months ago you've just accepted it now it's kind of like that thing of oh you know my girlfriend just broke up with me she kicked my ass last summer right I've just accepted (laughs) that fact now And it's it's sort of sad, boy. That, that is the, the, the great Hollywood ending is Khabib. And I mean, the, like the emotion that that happened with as well, to beat Justin Gaethje in front of Gaethje's family and to say to, to his mother, right, I'll do it once more without my dad and that's it. Mm-hmm. Now, so many fighters could learn from that and fucking Tyrone Woodley is one of them. And uh, I, I think we just have one more sort of decent fight to uh, look at. Um, obviously, um, Sugar Sean O'Malley's on this card. Obviously, you sort of alluded to you're not buying into a shtick of uh, smoking weed and uh, I don't know, you refuse to say he lost to Cheeto Vera. What what do you think the ceiling is for Sean O'Malley? In the I think possibly the hardest division in the UFC, the bantamweight division at the moment. Yeah, he's exactly, he's the antithesis of what we're talking about earlier on, right? He's a fucking huge star who's done nothing, right? And, you know, he's a nice enough guy and, you know, he does his thing and he has his coloured hair and he has tattoos and, you know, he speaks very well. Like, he's gold at media day. You get him for five minutes and your dictaphone is full of stuff that you can be writing for days on end. But, you know, what's he done in the cage to say that he deserves all this attention, right? So, given the choice between watching him and watching Amanda Nunes, I'm always going to watch Amanda Nunes, you know? So, I'm still waiting for him to prove to me that this is a guy who's worth 
this attention, right? If you want to compare him to Connor when Connor was coming up, Connor went in there. The one thing everybody in Vegas will say to you, everybody in mixed martial arts in Vegas would say they didn't like Connor, but he always backed it up. And O'Malley is like, you know, okay, he's been done a couple of times for doping. Once he was done for marijuana, I couldn't care less about that, but he was done for something else as well, some other banned substance, which was a little bit dodgier. And then you go out there and you're making these excuses. Oh, I don't see this. So, Shut the fuck up and take your loss. You know, just grow up, <laughs> you know, come, mm. you know, it's just. I don't know. You have to earn the right to say things like that. And he just hasn't done it, lads. If he came out and battered somebody, you know, if you, again, going back to boxing, I've seen certain fights where, you know, a guy will get done on points despite the fact that he's won 12 or 15 rounds and all of a sudden there's a dodgy judge. That doesn't really happen in MMA anymore. We can argue all we like, but it's actually quite a well-judged sport. And, you know, like, O'Malley, oh, I don't know, you know, what are you complaining about? You know, get in there. And, you know, in fairness to Connor, when he, he didn't even make the judges, he went, okay, I want to get that one back. No, but that's the thing. But yeah, that's the thing. Like you know, so so what are you complaining about? You know, show me something different. You know, you went. Was there a foul? Was there something going wrong there? You know. So I I do think that it's very undignified for a fighter to come out and say I didn't lose that fight. Yeah, pal, we all saw it. You know, if you want to get it back, go do something else. You know. So he is a kind of you know, as I say, he's an interesting character, but um. I just think that there's an awful lot of uh, what, what what's this they say an awful lot of heat and no light or an awful lot of light and no heat it's the other way around but there's there's an awful lot of talk goes on and he still has like I mean what's he, is maybe he, a lot, an awful lot of smoke character. and no fire is it pretty much like you know so he's now the sort of uh, there's there's O'Malley then Woodley then Miocic so th- those are the three fights so he's the the, f- uh, the third of the four fights on the main card and you know I don't know I, I can't find anybody else Abu Azaitan maybe you know you can switch places with those fights because but Khabib's cousin O'Malley doesn't move the needle just yet. Khabib's cousin's fighting, I think. Yeah, Abdul yeah which is it, um, It's on the prelims. Yeah, on the so, ESPN prelims. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, so Abu Bakar, I think, is fighting, isn't he? At welterweight, is he? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I mean, those guys are always fast. But Khabib, Khabib's going for uh, sorry, Abu Bakar, I think, is, is Abu Bakar. Yeah, yeah. He's a uh, he. What's called Khabib's going for coach of the year this year, and uh, apparently he's even talked to Luke Rockhold, trying to get him. Uh, out of his uh, long-time modeling vacay to come back and uh, coach him. So, like, put the house on a boob car this weekend as well. <laughs> Those guys, like all of that, that whole crew, they're just incredible, you know. And when you see how they fight, and Shimaev is one of those guys as well. He's not yeah. one of Khabib's boys, right? But he has a similar style, you know. I felt so yeah. sorry for Reese McKee when he came into the UFC and he went up against Shimaev. And I've spoken to people here in Sweden, you know, people who roll with with Shimaev, and they were they said the same thing. They were asking me, "How's Reese McKee?" You know, that was a shame the way he was sort of thrown to the lions there in a few days' notice. But all of those the Nurmagomedov tribe that are coming through now, I'd want watch all of them all day because I just find it fascinating. The power of their wrestling is just, it, like, that's the latest thing now. The, in the beginning, in UFC 1, it was jiu-jitsu, right? That's it. We have to solve that. And then it's moved through various different phases. And now, you know, we're into the leg kick phase a little bit now, but we're also in this, you know, sweltering, smothering wrestling, which I think is fantastic because you've really got to go. And so, which of you was it to mention a bull rush earlier on from, uh, yeah, from me, Ngannou, me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what their their thing is, right? The bull rush and, and just wrestle the shit out of you, you know. And that's until somebody learns how to do it. Conor McGregor did a fairly good job of it uh, against Khabib, and yet still, you know, if he had been in shape, he would have done so much better. His defensive wrestling was actually really good in that mm, fight. The best we've ever seen. It. 
Yeah, and we tend to forget that because of the result and because of what mm. happened afterwards. Whereas defensive wrestling was, I was sitting there going, wow, I didn't expect it to be this good. And it was really, mm. really good. And, and you know, it was only really when he got tired in the fourth and it went to shit, you know. But that's the thing. It's like how they're going to raise the level of not just themselves, but of all of MMA now because somebody has to solve that puzzle. Somebody has to work out how you keep those guys away from your legs because if they get anywhere near them, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I look forward to seeing who, who can actually sort that out. It's a, uh, it's it's a very 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 interesting thing that someone's going to have to come up with at some sort of stage. But yeah, uh, well, like, who who, go, who who is actually going for in this one? Like, do you think Sean O'Malley is going to get the win here? Because Thomas Almeida, he's he's been doing great things since he came into the UFC. Well, I think Thomas Almeida was stunted. It, they it was like the ultimate prospect off when he fought Cody Garbrandt and Cody Garbrandt knocked him out, and I think that sort of sends his career spiraling downwards, and then he's sort of back up on the rise. But uh, I, I think because he's been knocked out and because he he's been clipped before, I do fancy O'Malley on the feet. I think um, when he is fit, his striking is quite unorthodox. He does carry a bit of power, and I do fancy O'Malley get the job done. I'm more interested in seeing O'Malley fight some of the top 10, top top five uh, echelons, and let's see what he's really made of. Let's see if there's any fire there with the smoke. You, you kind of get the feeling that he's been built back up again, O'Malley. You know? Not yeah. that Almeida is in any way a, a bad fighter, but for exactly that reason that you say, you're taking somebody who's on not necessarily on a downward curve. And it's not it's by no means a tomato can that they're putting up in front of him, but it, it certainly is that kind of thing of, okay, you beat this guy and then you're putting yourself back into contention, you know, which is, uh, we'll see. But then we've seen it happen before in the UFC where they've done that to somebody and then all of a sudden Thomas Almeida comes in and steals all Sean O'Malley's thunder. And, you know, the next thing you know, O'Malley's fighting in Bellator. Mm-hmm. There we have a Basmo. Who's your pick? I did like I, I love a hype train, and like uh, it'd be great to just see Sean back in there because he likes to talk shit, and then like you could potentially see him against a Dillashaw or Garbrandt in the future, and and it's always great to see someone that that will sell a fight. He may not be the A side, but selling a fight nonetheless, it gets people more interested, it gets more views, it gets more clicks, it gets more people interested in talking about it as well. So. But that's that's where we're in this entertainment game, you know. Mm. But, but that's it, a frightening prospect if you were to put O'Malley in there against TJ Dillashaw because you know that that'd be a fight that I'd like to see both of them lose. I don't know how I deal with that. <laughs> I, I, I want to see a ta- I want to see a tattoo off Garbrandt versus O'Malley. That's what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. Phil, is there any is there any other fights in this card that you're looking forward to? Obviously, we've mentioned uh, Khabib's cousin, but um, is there any other fights you're looking at that you're like this is one I'm definitely going to make sure not to miss. This is the thing. I was looking at this card going, okay, because there's always that plan to be made. I'm an hour ahead of you guys in Stockholm, right? So it's actually, okay. you know, uh, whatever time, but I can't remember what time they're starting at. But say if it's starting at four o'clock your time, then the main card's starting at five o'clock my time, you know? So you always have to wait. You can have your breakfast. to watch the prelim. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I can't remember which the last fight was. It, who was the last? When Amanda Nunes fought the last time, what was the main event on that card? Her versus uh, Megan Anderson and then Adesanya Blachowicz. That's yeah. what it was, yeah. So, like, so that morning I actually went to bed, and then I got up at like you know four or five o'clock or whatever it is. So there's always that coin toss, and that tactic has been working pretty well for me lately. I've been reasonably disciplined. When the alarm goes off, I just get up, and then I try to watch the prelims the next day. There's not a whole lot. Um, I think when Connor fought in Abu Dhabi the last time, uh, and that was ridiculous because that they were make, making the walk to the cage mm. at like nine o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous like that. But the very first fight on the prelims was a guy called Amir Al Bazi. 
And Amir Albazi is a Swedish, Iraqi, Kurdish uh, yofla. He was on the very first fight of the card. So what I could have done was I could have stayed in my bed until seven o'clock, had breakfast at the mm. hotel, and then just gone over for Connor's fight. But Amir's cousins are very good friends of mine, right? So when I went to get my first COVID-19 test to go to Abu Dhabi, it was actually one of Amir's cousins who booked the test in the clinic where he works. So they sorted me out and they made sure I was able to get in the plane and that. So I couldn't fucking stay in the bed. And he was fighting like, it was midnight local time or something like that. So I ended up having to go to that. And then you just stay there all night. And we didn't get back to the hotel until about two o'clock the next afternoon. So I'm not going to do that for this card. I'll probably have to watch Abu Bakar Numagamedov. Uh, I'll watch it back the next day. I do, like Until you get to the main card, it's probably only the top three fights there, lads. Miocic, Woodley, O'Malley, those three fights. So I'd actually be interested in watching. Modestas Bukowskis is another decent fighter. Yeah. And Abu Zaita is also, uh, that's the guy who uh, was thrown out of Abu Dhabi, isn't it? No, I think that must have been his brother. That's yeah. That's, sorry, or his cousin, brother, his cousin. Yeah, yeah, one or the other. So like, but those guys are decent fighters as well. So I'd be kind of half interested in seeing that. But it's not the kind of thing that I'm going to stay up all night just to watch those guys on Fight Pass, you know, before the main event because there's always that risk as well. If you watch the first early prelim and somebody gets a good knockout or a good submission, and then you go, you're hooked. Ah, fuck it, I'll just watch one yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, you're done. You're hooked, you know, yeah. and that happened with Cage yeah. Warriors on Thursday, and I was still watching it late on Saturday. You know, exactly. Yeah. Well, there you have it. So, um, Basmo, anything else? To add in there no just like um like phil like obviously we wanted to get you on a while ago just to talk about the smile stuff but like obviously i know he he said he's retired we, let's see if he comes back but we'll have to do this again in a, in a longer sort of form because like as we said we've uh some of the lads coming on there fighting a brave this week and uh that it's like past 10 o'clock over there you know but like phil we want to thank you very much and everything yep. you've done has been brilliant that everything i've checked out even when you're talking either pizza or when you're on with Eamon dunphy it's uh it's always go crack and it's uh it's good to see another like dub doing well over in sweden you know it's my pleasure, lads. I'm really sorry for being late to the very beginning of this interview, and I promise it won't happen again. My apologies to the no. energized listeners. And as soon as we Not have a Swede back in the cage, as soon as we have a Swede back in the cage again, you know, it, it will be Chimayev. I actually met him just after, like four days after, and he was going, okay, I'm not talking to the media. I'm going, you're not retired anyway. No. So he did, he, did he inspire the beard? Uh, no, no, my beard has been around almost as long as he has been around. You know, so, like, Niall McGrath, who used to, uh, who does the ba- the Bash podcast with PT, he yeah, calls yeah, me yeah. Gandalf because of the beard, you know. So, uh, but it's been around a long time. But him and Reza Madadi, Chimayev and Reza Madadi, and a couple of others, Ilan Latifi, they're still knocking around training all stars. So I think Chimayev will be back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All, all enjoying my magnificent beard here, you know. Yeah. Uh, can you tell the people, Phil, where they can check you out as well? Because uh, you're a, you're a must follow on Twitter, especially. Thank you very much indeed. You'll find me at, at Philip O'Connor on Twitter and at Philip Eblana. Eblana is the name of the company that I started over here. It was actually the settlement that existed before the Vikings founded Dublin, lads. So it's a little thumb in the eye for me to the Swedes here where I have the company set up. And that's what I do all my freelance journalism too. So at Philip Eblana, at Philip O'Connor, and that's where they'll find me. And we'll make sure to tag you all. So guys, thank you so much for watching our lovely interview with Phil. Hope you're looking forward to UFC 260 as much as us. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, and as always, stay Stay energized. energized.